Um, so we are going to have a few announcements before we uh, kind of move forward. And the first one is by, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to tell you who this is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we are shepherds from afar. We were told to follow a star, which led us here to you all today to bring you news of a special event coming your way. What is this event that we proclaim? We know you wouldn't want to miss it. That would be a shame. It's a special event for the entire family called Breakfast in Bethlehem. The journey of Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and all of them. <laughs> you must make your reservations early because there is limited room at our inn. Mark your calendars for December 10th and you shall be all right. For more information, visit our welcome cart or our church website. Thank you. <laughs> Kingdom kids, go ahead to the back doors and we will take you to your room. All right, Kingdom kids, head on out, kids. All right. Well, it is not very often we get such cool uh, visitors to like make announcements. So that's like way cool. So, uh, next one is Maya. Good morning. My name is Maya Norris. I'm a senior in high school with the youth here at the church, um, and I have a couple announcements to make. So the youth crossroads, youth group crossroads, is doing a food drive from now until Thanksgiving, and um, the donate will be will be donating to the Help of Ojai that is here in the community. Um, the donated items can be anything from canned soup to mac and cheese to oatmeal cereal. There's a whole list on flyers that you can find in the back um, on the welcome cart outside. And uh, they can be brought to Bible study or youth group or here on Sundays. And if you have any questions, you can talk to Shiloh or Jordan. And the next thing is that we're not having any youth events this week. So no Bible study on Tuesday or youth group on Wednesday. All right, thanks. Thank you, Maya. And lastly, Matt. I deserve that. Good morning. Uh, rough uh, follow-up to shepherdesses and sheep and my beautiful daughter. So uh, I just want to extend an invitation to all the men in our congregation that uh, we're having a men's breakfast. Is, it, is that better? Can you hear me better? Okay. Uh, men's breakfast um, on November 5th. November 5th, men's breakfast at 9 a.m. Now I'm Yep, I'm right, November 5th, 9 a.m. Uh, so, we're going to have a great time. It's a, it's, a, it's a time to eat burritos, one of God's great gifts <laughs> to us, and uh, join together and have some fun. Uh, it should be a good time, and to just pause in the busyness of life and uh, be together. So, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you. If you were here last Sunday, you know that... Uh, Today's going to be 
uh, a little different Sunday together, and as I was thinking of it, there was a word that came to mind, and it's a word that, that you know, is kind of challenging for us in, in Southern California, and the, and the word is seasons. Seasons. Because, you know, yesterday I was coming here very early, and, and I walked out my door, and it was, it was drizzling. It was drizzling, and I went right back in the house and said, where's the snow chains? <laughs> because this is winter, I guess, in SoCal, you know? We don't, we don't know seasons, so it's, it's an interesting word, seasons, in Southern California, right? It's like hot, and then we freak out when it's 70, and, you know, and so we, we're kind of like this when it comes to seasons. But, you know, when I was thinking about today, I, I thought of seasons of life. There are seasons of life. There's seasons of health. There's seasons in your family, right? There's seasons in education, seasons in uh, your career, right? There, there are seasons. There are good seasons. There are very challenging seasons. And some seasons come just as a matter of fact. You know, you graduate from high school, you graduate from college. Those are seasons that just sort of happen. And it's, it's an interesting word because seasons even applies to the church. There are seasons in churches. Last, week, last Sunday we talked about the church is sort of this organism. It's a body of Christ. It's, it's not just an organization, but even corporations have seasons. Seasons of profit. The economy has seasons, right? A stock market has seasons. And, and as I was thinking about that in light of the church and relationships, I, I thought of seasons and how sometimes it's, it's really challenging to navigate seasons. And, the, and all of a sudden, these, these words that begin with the letter A just started to pop into my head as far as seasons of life. And the first one was awareness. Because sometimes, like I said, a graduation, you're aware of a season. It's obvious. But other times, there's things happening in your life, and it might be a new season, and, and it might take a while for you to become aware Right? It's a little ache and pain. It's a little this and that. And, and you think it's going to go away, but it never goes away. And, or it's just a conflict. And, you know, usually we weather these. And it's like, well, it's, it's not going away. And suddenly there's this awareness where you have to be able to step out of yourself and objectively, honestly, authentically look at your life and say, is this a different season? And sometimes that awareness, again, can happen pretty obviously. And sometimes you need a friend. Or friends or the church to come alongside and say, hey, maybe this is a different season. Maybe this is a different season of life. So there's awareness. And then there's an element you can slide from awareness. Once you have this awareness that, that you're in a different season, then you might have to struggle through acceptance. Acceptance of the new season. Now, acceptance can actually include appreciation for the past. Okay, But at a certain point, some of us might, might get stuck in moving through seasons because we're, we're struggling with accepting. Accepting that, you know, I'm not as fast as I used to be or, you know, I, whatever it might be that, that we have to accept. And part of the acceptance of that is appreciating even the past. It's, it's not throwing stones at the past. It's not even negating the past. It's, it's appreciating it. And so you can work through an awareness, which might take time, to be honest and say, you know what, yeah, I guess this is a different season. And then you work through accepting it in a healthy, good way, realistic way, right? Realistic way. It is what it is. 
right? We often joke sometimes you get to that certain age where you hang out with the peers. Sometimes we do this at our elder meetings and you just kind of share the latest ailment and medication, all right? That's a season, right? How many are in that season, right? You're like, oh my gosh, we're in that season. That used to be for that group. So you have to accept that, right? You accept that. You embrace like it is what it is, right? That's just part of life. So you have awareness. You have acceptance. You can appreciate the past as you move forward. And then you're challenged to adapt. You have to be willing to adapt. The Bible calls it new wineskins even. Are you willing to adapt to this new season so that, the final A word, you can advance? You can advance into it. You can move into it in, in confidence and enthusiasm and joy with the vision, right? But it takes some adaptation. And how many here love change? Mm, how many of you like it just the way it is, right? How many of you drove to church the exact same way you do today? How many of you are right now sitting where you sat last Sunday? Okay, right? Josie almost sat in Betty's chair. And I said, ooh, you almost got the Betty stare, right? So seasons require adaptation. And then if you work through these, you can actually advance. It's okay. You can advance. But that's where the church plays such a vital role in the seasons of life. We're all in this together. And... I wanted to share with you seasons of Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, also known as The Well. Uh, this is a very, for me, I shared with the leadership team this morning, it's a very kind of strategic uh, service for us, launching us, kind of finishing out 2022, the final quarter, moving into 2023, uh, and really enough separation from the ups and downs and lefts and rights of the pandemic, as far as the church meeting, all that. That it's just, the Lord really just impressed upon my heart, you know, it, it, it's time. Uh, part of my responsibility is I constantly, we call it around here, try to stay at 10,000 feet and seek the Lord for just the overall church, vision, direction, how we doing, all that kind of stuff. And so today kind of launches that, but I thought it was important because we have so many new people that have come in the summer. We have a digital audience, hello, San Diego, Northern California, was it Alaska, Michigan, Minnesota? Arkansas, Arkansas, right? They're all over. Um, so we're in a new season. And if you're visiting us uh, online, you're watching online and you have not, don't know our story, if you're here and you've not heard or actually seen in what you're about to see, uh, I wanted to kind of lay the foundation with seasons because what you're about to see are seasons at the well. And we're about to, and we're going to invite you, and you're going to hear today from all the elders, and we're going to collectively invite you to join us in the new season. Because I really feel this is a new season. Moving into 2023, it's time to be about God's work. It's time to kind of put the season of the pandemic behind us. Amen? And we got to go. we got to go. So enjoy this. This is the Seasons of Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship.
celebrate it and uh, quite honestly we're feeling like I'm sensing this is a new one and we, we want to invite we want you uh, to invite you join us and uh, many of the uh, dear saints that you saw there uh, many of them are with Jesus right now and we count it a great privilege to uh, have been engaged in their life and to celebrate the many memorials that we've done here and even the weddings uh, it's about life it's about relationships and in the church there's nobody perfect, right? And in fact, you hear me often say, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up, right? We accept that, right? That the church is made up of people in process, right? And so how do we navigate that, right? And all those events, 13 years together, starting from a living room to this place being filled with literally over just tables of people for Thanksgiving meals. How do we navigate that in the messiness of life, in the humanness of life? And, and a word that, that will you'll kind of be the theme for the rest of today is unity. Unity. You saw at the end of that verse, Romans 15, 5 through 6, says this, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you, church, to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have, we have this call, this command to be unified, to live in harmony. And here's the thing. It's important that second verse there, it says, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So us being unified, us living in harmony is not, okay, everyone say not, not to lift up the well. Not that the well becomes an idol. Not that the well is, is the biggest, baddest anything in the Ohio Valley. In fact, we're to live in unity and harmony to glorify God. The diversity here, right, and everything that you saw there, should, that should be pointing to God. That God is alive and well. He's still transforming lives. He's still saving souls. He's still bringing people into relationship and healing people and reconciling people. But it's all for his glory. And so this theme of unity... We're going to be looking at it in different aspects, and different elders are going to be coming up. And, and Ephesians 4, 3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So there's what we call positional unity. If you're a believer, you have been baptized, placed into the church, the body of Christ, and you're unified. We all have the Holy Spirit. But we have to make every effort. 
okay? It's not something you can just sort of cliche say, oh, yeah, we're unified. Unity takes effort. It takes effort, right? Second law of thermodynamics, right? From order to disorder. How many of your bedrooms tend to exhibit the second law of thermodynamics? Order to disorder, right? Right? If you don't tend it, right, you spend all Saturday, and then by, like, Sunday, it's a mess, right? That's order to disorder. Well, unity in the church is the same way. If you don't work at it, and you just kind of take it for granted, oh, the well is so nice, and they're so friendly. If you're not proactive that quick, there can be discord, division, gossip, grumbling that quick. Okay, so you have to make every effort to keep positional unity. And then there's also something called the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith is, is that we are unified around the core doctrines of Scripture. So we're unified positionally. We also have unity of faith, all rooted in Scripture, the core tenets, the core doctrine. Okay? And so today, you're going to be hearing from the elders in the area of unity in Scripture, unity in stewardship, unity in service, unity in seeking the lost, unity in salvation. And so for me, uh, you've heard me often say, you know, if you come to the well, you, you, whoever's up here is going to open the Bible and teach you the Bible, right? So unity in Scripture, First Timothy 3 says this, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. That's talking about horizontal relationship. We're the extended family of God, right? Which is the church of the living God. That's the vertical relationship. So in the church, we have relationship vertically with the living God. It's God's household. And then, then this, is, this is really important. The pillar and foundation of the truth. That's the church. We are called to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. The word of God. Now, depending on how old you are in your church tradition, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, it's not so easy anymore. And it is a definite choice that the elders at this church have made since day one to drive the stake in the ground that we are going to be the pillar and foundation of truth, which is God's word. And we're going to stick to it. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're not going to compromise. And if you, whatever degree you are aware of what's going on in the country, even about you know, the whole deal with truth and morality and all that, you know, that, that moving forward, this stance may not be as easy as it was 13 years ago. But we are called by God to be the pillar and foundation of truth. And as long as I'm here and, right, as long as the well is here, we are going to be the pillar and foundation of truth, which is God's word. Amen? Okay, John seventeen seventeen. sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So not only are we the pillar and foundation of truth, we teach you the truth so that you can be set apart by the truth. Okay, Charles Spurgeon says this, the more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. Sanctified means to be set apart for God. The operation of truth upon the mind is to separate a man from the world unto the service of God. That's why we open God's word. It's by God's word. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Mind. That by, the test, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? That word transform is metamorphosis. And that's the, the word picture is the butterfly, the caterpillar to the butterfly. So if you're a believer, you are in sanctification. The word picture is metamorphosis. A radical supernatural change is happening and foundational to that is the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why 
when you come here on a Sunday and every Bible study group, we open the word. That's the source of transformation, right? You've heard me say also that, um, Lake, can I borrow your Bible real quick? You heard me say, too, this is not given to us for information, but for transformation. You got to understand that. This is not given to us for information. It's not an academic exercise. I spend a gazillion hours every week doing the Greek and all that, you know, to, to help us understand it. But I can't stop at information, dissemination. This is not a lecture class. This is not, you know, any of that. Fundamentally, this is given to us for transformation. Amen. Okay, that, that's our heart. That's our heart, okay? Second Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God. We believe in the inspiration of scripture by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, right? So we believe in the inspiration of scripture here, okay? We believe it's truth, okay? And then finally... James 1, you've, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. You've heard me say it for 13 years if you've been with us that long. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Powerful verse right there. Because again, many of us, if we look, take the academic emphasis priority, we'll come to church, we'll take notes, and we'll say that was a good message, but we don't do anything with it. Now, in that verse, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. The original language, that's powerful. It means you're deluded. It means if you come to church and you take notes and you don't do anything with it, that right there says you're deluding yourself. You're de- you missed it. You completely missed the point of it. That's a power. You're deluded. If you don't do with what you hear. In fact, I, I taught on that passage before, and in Scripture, the Old Testament all the way through, hearing and obeying are inseparable, biblically. In fact, there's a saying that you didn't really hear unless you obeyed, right? How many parents here, I've asked you before, how many of you have ever asked slash told your kid to do something and they ignored you? Anyone? And then how many of you had these words come out of your mouth? Did you hear me? Anyone? Okay, so what was the implication of this, did you hear me? It's like, if you heard me, you were supposed to do it, right? You were supposed to do so. Even as a parent, you know that hearing and doing are inseparable, right? Well, that's what this is saying. That's why we open the Word of God, and then, you know, our heart is, what are you doing with it? We try to bring application. Because it says here, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Okay? I've shared this before. I had a mirror. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? I I can tell. I can tell. Okay. Ernie, what did your mirror say to you this morning? You need to comb your hair. hair. Right. How many mirrors told you to comb your hair this morning? How many of you listened? Okay, well, yeah. Well, okay, Zeke, okay. <laughs> Dry your head, I guess. I don't know what it would, buff it. I don't know what it would be. But how many of you listen to your mirror with no arguing? No arguing. No why. I don't, well, maybe an I don't want to, but, right? 
You listened. Well, Scripture, the Word of God, is simply a spiritual mirror wanting the best for you. That's all the Bible is. That's our heart here. So when we read a Scripture and it says, hey, forgive one another, it's for your good. Comb your hair. It's for your good. Wash your face. It's for your good. Put some clothes on. It's for your good and our good, okay? It's for everyone's good. So that's the heart behind this is, is we are sold out to Scripture. We believe it's given to us for transformation, not just for information. And we lovingly, lovingly want to come alongside whatever season of life you're in and help you just walk with Jesus in obedience to Scripture in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so that's where we've always been moving forward. We're going to stay unified around the priority and very important word, authority of Scripture, because it's God-breathed. The Bible is the authority for us as believers. Okay? My heavy-duty responsibility is to kind of rightly divide it. That's weighty. That's, like, scary at times. So um, I take that very seriously because that is what this whole thing is built upon. In fact, everything you hear from the elders from this point on is rooted in Scripture. So, so we have to stay true to that. Okay? So, Bill, why don't you come up and, and speak to us about unity in stewardship? Morning, everybody. So, stewardship. Hmm. What's the first thing that, because I know there's something in your mind right now. When the word stewardship is broached at church, what are you thinking? Hmm. Well, it's an interesting word because, you see, in Webster's, Webster's says this. Webster says that stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Makes sense? However, because we like to look at things, everything, through the lens of Scripture, I would prefer, and I'm going to share with you, what the Holman's Bible Dictionary defines as stewardship. The Holman's Bible Dictionary says that stewardship is utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God to the betterment of his creation. You see, they're similar, but the Holman's Bible Dictionary is so much more descriptive, isn't it? They're similar but different. In fact, the very first mention of stewardship in Scripture is, you guessed it, in Genesis. God gives us our very first stewardship assignment in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says this, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and here it comes, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, that's stewardship. Because God gave us dominion, which means what? It means really sovereignty and control. That's what the word dominion means. So we have this responsibility in terms of stewardship to the entirety of God's creation. All of it. Including ourselves as created beings. Have you thought about it that way? See, stewardship is huge. So biblically, stewardship starts with the totality of your life. 
So biblical stewardship then in the broadest sense of the word means to utilize God's resources and manage your life and all of creation and do it all to the glory of God. That's what we are to do. But today, for a few minutes anyway, that I have, we've talked as elders that each of us has 10 minutes, so be prepared for about 25 here. (laughs) I want to focus today on financial stewardship because that's what you were thinking, right? When you think of stewardship, you think about finances, but that's not what stewardship is biblically. Stewardship biblically is the totality of your life, of which financial management is just one resource that God provides for you to steward. And God has a lot to say about money, doesn't he? And I want to give you today five principles of stewardship, financial stewardship, that you can apply, James one twenty. What is it? James 120. There you go. One person was listening to what Pastor Richie said. Because we need to do something with with these principles of stewardship. And it's really interesting because, you see, in my research I was thinking about this. And, you see, the Bible says in about 500 different verses... God's word talks to us about things like faith and prayer. And I find it fascinating that there are about 2,300 verses that talk about money. So why do you suppose that is? Why would God give us 500 verses in his word that we hold true about faith and prayer? Two pretty important biblical topics, right, that guide and drive our lives. And yet 2,300 or so he talks about money. Because I think God knows that our attitude towards money, really, really, our attitude towards money is an indication of where our heart is with him. And biblical financial stewardship is really comprehensive. You see, because a study of God's word for stewarding his money, and yes, I said his money, includes, just to name a few, the topics of tithing and giving and generosity and riches and prosperity and budgeting and managing and investing and ownership and credit and debt and co-signing and just plain hard work. The Bible speaks to all of these in terms of stewardship, all of them. So you can put up the slide in, in terms of the, uh, the principles that I want to talk about quickly this morning is ownership, commitment, responsibility, accountability, and reward. Those are the five principles. Principle number one, ownership. It's not your money, okay? That's the first principle that we need to deal with in terms of financial stewardship. It doesn't belong to us. It is not our money. Why? Because God owns everything. That's why. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai. What? Can you pronounce that? That prophet's name? When was the last time you opened up that book? There's two chapters in there in Haggai who is a prophet and he's talking to God's people and he tells them, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Get it? 
So let's just start there in terms of financial stewardship as believers, as the church. It all belongs to God. Principle number two, commitment. Biblically, you see, partial commitment is no commitment at all. It's true. That may be painful to hear. But biblically, partial commitment is no commitment at all. You see, Jesus even made this very clear because he was talking to the church in Revelation 3.15, and the church in Laodicea had gotten pretty comfortable. It was a lot like, I think Richie says this whenever he preaches and uses this reference in Scripture, he talks about Laodicea being kind of like, oh, hi, we're pretty comfortable. Compared to the world, look at Haiti. Compared to the world, we are rich from a prosperity point of view. But Jesus said to this church that was really lackadaisical, and they had a pretty half-hearted commitment. He said to them in Revelation 3.15, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Come on, just be one or the other, he said. Because right after that, he said to them, because they were so non-committed, he said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. These are harsh words. But he was talking about their commitment. So the biblical principle here is clearly, be fully committed, church. (laughs) Come on, is that really clear? I mean, we got to be committed. So what are we to be fully committed to? Well, God's money. (laughs) It's not yours, remember? And your life. That's more important. Your life in the Lord. That's what you got to be fully committed to. Principle number three, responsibility. Now, biblically, what is your responsibility? And likewise, are you financially responsible? Let's start with being responsible for a moment because there's some more pain here. Because the obvious principle in financial responsibility, responsibility as the principle is, do you live within your means? Hmm, I have the privilege of counseling a number of people, especially small business people that are really struggling financially because they just, they don't live within their means. So do you? You see, because one interesting fact right now, today, this very month, this very month, the consumer debt in America is $4.8 trillion. That doesn't include mortgages. That means just buying stuff on credit. And the average interest rate that Americans pay on that $4.8 trillion that they borrow on their credit cards, most likely, is 17%. Now, that's a lot of 80-inch TVs and $1,000 cell phones, isn't it? (laughs) That's a lot of them. You see, and much of this debt that we take on in America today, you see, is it's really, um, it's, it's irresponsible debt. You see, because if we have to use our credit cards to pay for things that we really can't afford, meaning that we're going to pay somebody 17% interest over time to have that 80-inch TV, do we need the 80-inch TV? I don't think so. So irresponsible borrowing is what Proverbs talks about in Proverbs 22.7. Some, maybe all of us have experienced this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Ever felt that way when you're paying your bill at the end of the month? 
See, it's one thing to be biblically financially responsible and another thing altogether to know and act on what we as Christians are responsible for. That's important. And as I mentioned earlier, there are biblical principles of responsibility for things like tithing and giving and being generous, along with getting there through what? Budgeting, managing, investing, saving, just good old-fashioned, everyday, plain old hard work. And so this morning, for at least just a minute, really just a minute, um, and because I like gorillas, I mean, who doesn't like gorillas? You guys are awfully quiet. Do you like gorillas? Because you know there's one in the room, he's about 800 pounds. There's an 800-pound gorilla in this room right now. So I'd like to talk about him for just a second, if you don't mind. You see, because... What is the biblical principle and your practice for tithing and giving? You knew I was going there, didn't you? Because somebody said money right away when we talk about stewardship. So what is it? It's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's what it is. It's always that way in churchdom. Come on, let's be honest. We're all family here. We can be honest. There's an 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to tithing and giving in the church. So... Uh-oh. First, I think we all have to understand that the word tithe simply means a tenth. Right? Did you know that? Tithing means a tenth. That's 10%. And the tithe in the Old Testament was a legal requirement. It was written into the law in the Old Testament. You remember the Old Testament? That's the first part of the Bible. If you blow the dust off of yours and you start reading it, you'll find out all kinds of stuff about tithing in the Old Testament. So is it a requirement today, this tithing, this 10% of my gross, or is it my net, is it before my taxes, is it after my taxes? Is it a requirement? Well, not exactly. And that's, you see, because we are no longer under the law, we are under grace, because Romans 6.14b, the B stands for the second part of it, if you haven't been familiar with that. It says you're not under the law, but you're under grace, because, you see, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Now, there is no way that in the 40 minutes that I have here this morning (laughs) that I can do justice to the topic of tithing. But let's be really clear. You see, the principle biblically still applies. The principle applies, but the law doesn't. So first, what that means is anything you decide to give, you are simply giving back to God because, remember, he owns it all to begin with. It's not even ours. And second, tithing or given is, how do I say this? Tithing or giving, because that's what we like to call it. You, you rarely hear the word tithe here, right? We call it giving. And why is that? You see, because it's a matter of the heart. That's what it's about. So here it is with the principle involved. We are to give of our first fruits. That's the guide. Proverbs 3 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all you produce, meaning don't give God your leftovers. Give him the good stuff off the top. That's what the biblical principle is. You see, because frankly, that's what he desires. He desires our best. So give out of grace. 
God's grace, not the law. You're not required to give 10%. You won't hear that everywhere, but you'll hear it here. It's about grace. So if you're going to give 10%, that's fine. Or less than 10% of your income, that's fine. Or a lot more than 10% of your income, that's fine. It's all fine. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're going to give today and you didn't do it cheerfully, come see me after church and I'll give it back to you. (laughs) Principle four, accountability. You see, stewardship, accountability is really straightforward, isn't it? We will be held accountable for how we steward God's resources. That's our life. We're not going to be held accountable for our sin because that's been forgiven. People get this very confused often. We are going to be held accountable for what we did with what we heard. Right, Richie? We will give an account. Hebrews 4.13 in the NLT says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Duh. (laughs) I mean, really. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Romans 14, 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God for what we did, including what you heard today. <laughs> so what are we going to do with that, right? And then finally, the principle that I like really a lot is the principle of reward, especially right after the principle of accountability. I love reward. Oh, yeah, reward. You see, because much can be said about the reward today in the here and the now and in the heavenly realms, right? There is reward. God is so good. He is so good. And there are two principles that I want to, or two scriptures that I want to share in this principle and leave you with these. Because the first one is instructional and the second one is promise. And the promise, of course, you can just take to the bank as long as we're talking about financial stewardship. But Colossians 3, 23 and 24 out of the Amplified. If you're not into the Amplified, I suggest you get into it. It's great. I love it because it's embedded with a little bit of commentary just to help us understand better. Colossians 3, 23 in the Amplified says, Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work for the soul, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not for men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. And we're going to be hearing about serving in a bit. I love in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus is speaking in parables because he loves to teach in parables, right? And he's talking about the parables of the talents and there's these three guys and, he, and the master gives them some money. He wants them to manage it, right? He says, here, take, hold this for me for a while. They don't even know for how long. And two of them do an outstanding job because they're really interested in, in applying these principles and they do a really good job because it's the master's money. They understand that it's not even belonging to them. They want to do a good job for their master, right? And two of them do a good job and one not so much and the master comes back and the ones that had 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 budgeted well and they had invested well and they were they used wisdom they returned not only the master's money but just a little bit more and what did he say Matthew 25 21 his master said to him them in this case well done good and faithful servant Don't you want to hear those words? 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into, don't miss this, enter into the joy of your master. And the result of applying these biblical principles of financial stewardship, including tithing and giving and generosity and budgeting and managing and investing and saving and just good old-fashioned, everyday, plain old hard work, which, by the way, includes discipline, diligence, and faithfulness, if you're going to be working for the Lord. What is the result of all that? According to Matthew, entering into the joy of your master. Now, who doesn't want to enter into the joy of our master? Christ went to the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. Well, I don't know about you, church, but I want some of that. I want to enter into the joy of my master, right? You see, because church, don't be quiet. That is a hallelujah moment. Okay, hallelujah. Amen. That's a hallelujah moment. So, church, be good stewards. Well, I waited outside because I thought, Bill, when he used the example of an 800-pound gorilla, you were going to use me. So, Because I resemble that remark, so I'm, I'm going to hide outside. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to let him use me as an example. But I do give him permission that my life is an open book. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tyler, and I'm mostly talking to people online right now because everybody here knows me. I'm that face out in the front that gives you the hugs and says hi. That's sort of what lights my fire. So that's me. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and one of the, or several of the responsibilities or what I do here is basically anything that nobody else wants to do. So I get that task. Or, like I say, if Richie doesn't want to do it, I get to do it. <laughs> Besides preaching, because that's not in my gifting. So thank goodness. But, but so that's sort of what I do. And what I'm going to talk about today is service. So what I want to talk about is how the body of believers can be in unity and grow and that serving together using God's gifts that you have all been given by the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. So I want to turn to Scripture, which I love this. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So each of us has been given a special gift. And Paul wrote this to explain to us how this given spiritual gifts that we have by the Holy Spirit, how we can use those gifts in church. So the best way to do that is to sort of share my experience, how I went through it, because I like to use myself as an example like um, Richie does. It's, it's great because then you don't front anybody off and embarrass them. So it all started like 20 years ago, back when I was going to this church called OVCC, and this guy named Richie came up to me, a.k.a. Pastor Richie, and asked me if I wanted to serve and help in children's ministry. Don't worry, it's not a plug for children's ministry, but yes, we do need help in children's ministry. <laughs> so it started off in children's ministry. We had this thing called All Stars, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to teach. I don't want to do that. So he, God used those gifts that were already given to me because I was a police officer for 31 years now, um, then, and I was running a canine, and Pastor Richie goes, oh, why don't you just bring your canine to come do an example for the kids? So I did that, and he actually volunteered to get bit by the dog, which was wonderful to see. If, even if you want to see it, I do have um, photos of that. So it started off there, and then the next thing I knew, he goes, hey, do you mind teaching Sunday school to the kids? 
So I'm like, okay, I'll try. But by the gifts that God has given me, I was able to start learning and teaching and starting with kids. And kids are so much easier than all of you. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's great. They actually go, oh, yes, whatever you say, Tyler. <laughs> so it started doing in those different roles. And then about six years ago, God, it was a calling that I retire and become one of the pastors here at the well. And now I oversee all sorts of different ministries. Um, and one ministry that really lights my fire is pastoral care. Pastoral care is just to come alongside of all of us here and help you follow Jesus and just fall in love with Jesus and glorify God. So that's something that really lights my fire. I mean, but there's all different ones I do. And then I want to tell you experiences like getting up in front of people are not, it's not my strong point and it scares me to death. But I'm like, okay, God, you've given me gifts. So this nice couple named Zach and Lindsay right here came up to me and goes, hey, Tyler, will you marry us? I'm like, oh, a little wedding, you know? So no, it was like 160 people. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? And, like, and I'm like, I was stressed about it. Then my son Kyle goes, Dad, God will speak through you. He's giving you those gifts. I'm like, okay, I'm, for my youngest son, I'm getting advice. So thank you, Kyle, for that. So it, it's just been amazing to do that. And what I'm saying through this journey, it's drawn me closer and closer to God and more in unity with the body of believers. Um, so I encourage each of us to pray and, re, and ask God to reveal what type of gifts you've all been given. Um, and it is, it is very simple to say, just like by starting off by just saying hi to somebody. You, you might be having the gift of hospitality or hi and say hi to somebody. Or I had this lady come up to me. Her name is Gigi, and I got her permission. She said, how can I help around here? And I go, oh, I don't know, pick up leaves and pull weeds? She goes, okay. And with Unknowns to me, not really because I have cameras around this whole facility, um, she would go out here every week, put, picks up weeds and um, pulls weeds and picks up le um, leaves and just wholeheartedly does it. And she's doing it to glorify God. So, Gigi, thank you for that. And then that turned into a different ministry for her. Now she's talking to the neighbors and meeting them and coming alongside. It's just wonderful. And that's one thing I have done by volunteering around here, just outside the facility is you meet all these different people, and you can just be the love of Christ to them. Because a lot of times, that might be the only exposure to Jesus they have. And by volunteering and serving under, you know, under God and for this church is that. And they see that, and they think, oh, okay. So that, that has just been great. And Gigi, I thank you for that so much. And then just to list a few ways we can serve together. I mean, there are so many ways. I mean, you can help in, guess what, children's ministry. Um, men's ministry, women's ministry, missions, worship, youth, facilities, hospitality. You can help in the community. There's so many different things that you can do in the community. There's the Help of Ojai. There's the Pregnancy Center. There's Triple C, which is the Continuing Care Center. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And so there's so many ways that you can serve. And one way I encourage everybody that's watching online, wherever you are, Alaska or even Russia, I encourage you to serve there. Serve where you are at the given time. God will open those doors for you. And I'm going to give a shout-out to James. He serves. He lives in Russia. and He's serving God over there in the ways he can by helping and teaching people the word of God over there. So wherever you are online, you can do it right outside your door because this is the mission fields and you can serve. So there's so many ways. So I think you all should start off by praying, asking how you can serve, 
and ask God to reveal those things, and then come to me and have me help you shepherd you through that and figure out what God's gifts are. And I, I'll be honest with you, if it's not a gift that God has given you, I'll be honest with you. I mean, so there are some people that come, oh, I want to play in the worship band, and they can't carry a note to save their life. And so I would not, and Len, you're not one of them, by the way. You do an awesome job. So it's just so many different ways to serve God here and ultimately just glorify God in everything you do. And I'm going to pray with us right now just because I love to start off everything with prayer continually pray, and then close with prayer. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for another day of life. I just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. I just ask you to show us, show me, the different gifts that you have given us because of all the gifts that we have as believers in Jesus Christ comes from you. So we all have the same God, and you have given us a variety of different gifts. So show that to us, reveal that to us, and just let us serve you and glorify you in all the days, Lord. I love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. See, I was a little shorter than Bill. So actually, i got to tell you one thing. He asked me if he could buy time from me. So I got a lot of money out of this. So thank you, Bill. I didn't get in on that offer. I, that's, that's news to me. Like, okay, I'm going to remember that one. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so we're all up here talking about unity. You know, how, how do we stay one as a body of Christ? How do we exercise and display the unity that we have in, Christ, in Jesus? How do we live together and what holds us together as a local expression of the body of Christ? Um, it really it kind of boils down to kind of why are we here? What's our purpose in being together? Um, Jesus in Luke 19 explains the reason that he came to the earth. He says it in one short, very clear statement. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's how Jesus described his purpose of coming to the earth. To, uh, he came as the Son of God became the son of man, he came to seek and to save the lost. Um, so he talked about what his purpose was in the lost. He's really referring to you and I, those who before we knew Christ were really, um, uh, had no relationship with God. We were, Richie had some scripture talked about us being slaves, slaves to the, this world, to our own sin, slaves to the devil. And that is what Jesus came to save us from. Um, after three years of his ministry where he was clearly showing to the world what his purpose was, um, he, uh, uh, he talked to his disciples right before he rose, um, ascended into heaven, telling us, and this, he was talking to a group of people then, but it applies to us about what our purpose is in Matthew 28. And it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's really telling us what is it that we're supposed to be doing and how does that unify us as believers to go and make disciples of everyone 
anyone who will listen and those who have been called by God to uh, be part of his family. We are called to do that in all the nations, and that means here in the Ojai Valley, and that means outside of this area, um, to teach them, to baptize them, to teach them to obey, like we've been talking about this morning, everything that Jesus has, uh, has said. And he talked to us about how we do that as well, and that is by him being with us always. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can perform that work. So I just kind of want to make it practical, and really I think there are kind of two ways from the standpoint of reaching out to the world around us that we do that. Um, One is that it really is as simple as sharing the gospel, sharing the actual news, the actual story, whether it's, you know, biblically sharing the story of Jesus and his his coming and his death and his resurrection, or even just sharing our own testimony. How is it that you came to believe in Jesus and become a follower of of his? In John 3, 16 uh, to 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is the gospel message. So the first thing we do is take that message to anyone who will listen anywhere. Secondly is loving uh, as we have been loved. Uh, John three sixteen to 18 says this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us us not love in word um, or talk, but in deed and in truth. And again, you've heard several of us talking about that already. James 1.27 talks about what true religion is. James says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The reality is we have to do both. We can't separate sharing the gospel from meeting the needs of the neediest and the poorest in this world. Um, At the well, we live this out in lots of different ways, but I want to just kind of focus in on two specific ways that we uh, here pursue um, that type of service and that you can participate. Uh, The first is short-term missions um, outside of the U.S., and the second are local opportunities here in the Ojai Valley. Uh, Relative to short-term missions, um, we have annual trips to Mexico, and I think there's going to be a couple of pictures maybe kind of coming up about that. Uh, We partner with Youth with a Mission down in Mexico, and we have been going down for uh, decades, frankly, in doing this, and we have two trips. I'll talk about that in a little bit, planned for 2023, but we go down as a team and build homes for impoverished Mexican families. Uh, One of our families, the Norrises, um, have spent time over with Kaya Ministries in Uganda. I don't think we have a picture for that one, but they are helping us maintain a really active relationship with this important ministry uh, that works with children and adults in, uh, in Uganda. And lastly, we've had numerous trips in the past to Haiti, the country of Haiti, partnering with a number of churches down there in reaching into their communities for Christ. Uh, we've been unable to go, unfortunately, actually for the last three weeks because of the, the just dire situation, the, the 
criminal activity and danger that there is in Haiti at the moment, but we uh, do actively maintain a, a living relationship through the pastors there and are able to encourage them and financially help them in, in doing the work that they are doing in their own communities. Uh, on the local front, uh, Matt and Aubrey Norris um, head up our local efforts um, in the local community. They're always looking for different ways to uh, accomplish that, but really focusing on two particular things that actually you've heard about um, uh, just before right now. Uh, one is the Life Choices Pregnancy Center, and the second is Help of Ojai, which primarily serves senior citizens and low-income families here in the, uh, in the valley. And uh, Matt and Aubrey are great contacts for how you can get involved in helping either one of those um, uh, ministries and efforts here in the community. And if you have any other ideas uh, about how to serve here in our local community, uh, Matt and Aubrey would be the ones to talk to about that. Um, in looking into 2023, just from a vision standpoint, we really are going to be very intentional about trying to keep the, the idea of mission, whether it's local or international, before the body and keep it before us in prayer and information and education and keep our hearts soft towards that element of our ministry together. And there's going to be very concrete opportunities to participate. And by participating, again, whether it's overseas or, or locally, um, you know, you can pray, you can give, you can go. There's really, that's everybody fits into one of those three categories or even all three. Um, in 2023 specifically, um, June 18 to 24, we're going down to Mexico. It's a week trip. We'll be building two homes and we typically take 20 or 25 people on each one of these trips. Uh, we have a trip October 29th to November 4th. Again, Homes of Hope in Mexico, a week-long trip building two homes. You can go for the whole week or go for half of the week. And then locally, uh, lots of different various dates of opportunities that uh, will come typically through Matt and uh, Aubrey about work projects in support of life choices and help of Ojai. Um, I was just reading earlier uh, this week, just in my morning devotion, I, I came across um, 1 Corinthians 13.3 that says, if I give away all that I have to the poor, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I have nothing. I've gained nothing. Um, and to me, that's, that's kind of the message I want to leave you with. Whatever you do relative to serving and mission and all the things that we're talking about here, if we don't do it from love, God's love that is ours and from the love of our hearts, it really is gaining nothing. Um, so our unification and our commitment to reach the lost and serve the poor is out of love. And again, if you've got questions or interested in knowing more, Matt, Aubrey, myself, we're the ones to talk to. So thank you. Start out with a somber note. In this fellowship here, we have a, a fun relationship and covenant with each other that rates, uh, rallies around the Dodgers. <laughs> now, I, uh, I was going to go with the black armband, but thought that was too much, so I just dressed in black, somber. Uh, Betty communicated with me yesterday that 
one of her boys presented her with a Mookie Betts jersey that given the outtake of last night's game, she was going to maybe wear today. Betty, I'm sorry you couldn't. I was uh, quite pleased to see that Nadine didn't wear her Manny Machado jersey. It was good. We've got Mother Latonga down here. She's probably got one of those deals, right? Okay, well, praise the Lord. All good. Um, you know, those of us in covenant here with each other at the well, we come from very diverse and different backgrounds, different cultures, different upbringings, different family structures, different economics, and especially different levels of spiritual maturity. Maybe you've been influenced by denominations or no exposure to any church experience whatsoever. One thing we all profess to have in common is faith in Jesus. We're Christians. We profess to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from spending eternity in darkness, separated from God and everyone else for that matter indescribable torment that will never end. That's what we're saved from when he saves us. So how did so many of us get saved? You know, when I look at the, the body here, I know that many of you are followers of Christ. Many of you that are joining us online, live streaming, will watch this later, likewise. But how did we get there? We responded to a call why did we respond to a call? Who was calling? The Holy Spirit was calling. The Holy Spirit is calling everyone who doesn't believe. Why did we respond? Many of us responded uh, due in part to the following scripture. Now, Pastor Mark already shared most of this, but we're going to do it again, break it down. John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Four times the word believe is used in these verses. In Strong's Concordance or Bible Dictionary, it really breaks it down. I compared to Webster's Dictionary, the word believe. It's pretty much the same. When we believe in something, we trust it as truth. When we claim, when we profess that we believe in Christ and he is our Lord and Savior, we are professing that we believe what's in his word to be true and to be obedient to that. The usages are the, the definition to believe in trust, have faith in, believe in, be committed to. That was the big one for me, to be committed to. I spoke some time back about the likeness of that commitment to marriage relationship. We're not uncommitted. We couldn't cohabitate together. We couldn't spend and share our lives together. The same is true with a relationship with Christ. We believe. We're committed. We believe his word is truth. 
and we follow and are obedient to his word. So that biblical meaning of believe, Bible term believe, to believe is to accept the existence and reality of God through faith, having conviction, confidence, and trust in him, to accept him as real and true. The word believe occurs hundreds of times in the Bible. Jesus instructed people, he commanded us, to believe in him and that commitment. If we believe in him, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, as just biblically described, we believe that his word is truth and newly minted being we have become in the Holy Spirit. Instantaneously indwells us. We repent. That's a 180 degree turn. We go in a different direction. That's the evidence. We're saved. The gift of God's mercy is free of charge. But it's not free of change. We can't pay for it. As Pastor Bill described, we can't steward money and give money to his church and believe that because we did that like it was ours, like we bought and paid for it. Not the case. We can't work for it. We can't pull enough weeds. We can't serve enough with the kids. We can't do anything to deserve his salvation. We can't finance it. We can't just give a little bit over a long period of time. Can't do it. You're saved instantaneously. The Holy Spirit indwells you immediately. And we can't put it on layaway. Dating myself there. A lot of you might not know what layaway even is, but it was a thing back in the day. And if you know what it is, you know what's up. (laughs) So we can only choose to receive it and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. There is no offer available to receive salvation and continue on as we were before. Habitually sinning in any area of our lives. You see, it stops because we have committed to Jesus as Lord. If he is Lord of my life, I do as my Lord says. That's the goal. We'll stumble repeatedly and be forgiven endlessly as we progress through sanctification. It's part of the process. It's not a sinless life. It's not perfection. Because God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son to pay for the debt we can never pay for ourselves. He did it for us. We can't do it. There isn't any mechanism. There's no mechanism for us to work for this, earn it, deserve it. None. It's God's grace, never our works. Only you and God know if you're truly saved. You can fool the rest of us, but you can't fool him. There are no magic words that save. We'll oftentimes lead in a prayer of salvation. It's not my words. It's not words of anyone else. It's your heart. Attending church doesn't save. You could have been involved in seemingly fellowship here at the well for a long time, maybe since Cindy's living room, but that doesn't save you. Your grandma's faith can't save you. Heard that one a lot. My grandma took me to church. That's terrific, but it doesn't save you. Nobody but Jesus can save. 
he's it. Yes, uh, nobody is as exclusive as whosoever is inclusive. Remember that. Everyone is redeemable. Everyone. You can't have a life in the past. My goodness, the, the characters of the apostles, the people in the Bible, wow. If they're redeemable, right, you're redeemable. Regardless of the sins that we've committed, grace is offered to one and all. Those were just my prepared notes. Now we'll get serious. We'll close that book. I'd like to put the prayer email on the screen. Many of you are familiar with this. You have a lot of opportunities. You've heard a lot here today. You've reflected a lot on yourself and your own relationship and walk with our Lord. You can reach out through that prayer email. When the service is over, you can come forward, talk to one of us. There's prayer cards, I believe, in the chair backs if you choose to pull one out and go old school and write it down. If you're at home, the prayer email. We have a responsibility to share our faith and this gospel message with everyone that we come in contact with. It's terrific to come here to the well on Sunday, come to Bible study, study his word, but we have a responsibility, if you're a professed believer, to share your story with everybody in your life, everybody you come across. It's amazing the opportunities that are out there from day to day. Those of you at home, those of you here, you're going to walk out of this building today and you're going to go about life. You might go to a restaurant. You can go anywhere, the store, home, go to work on Monday. You have an opportunity to share what the Lord has done in your life. That's our job collectively as believers. It doesn't just come from me or Richie or Mark or Tyler or Bill. It comes from all of us. It comes from you every day. Why are you different? Those that are in your life, notice why you're different. You have a relationship with Jesus, and that's what you share with them. I again want to reemphasize the prayer email, which is still on the screen, the cards. Come up and talk to somebody, but act. This is your opportunity to act on what you've learned here today and what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do now. We all know somebody that needs Jesus. I'm not asking you to, asking you to spell out your, your, uh, your life to, to me or in an email, but give a first name of somebody you work with, a family member, somebody you love that needs the Lord. We will elevate the call to the Father, just the elders of the church, for that name. Same thing with the cards that are in the seat backs. Everybody knows somebody. Take advantage of your brothers and sisters in the Lord that are in this fellowship that will pray with you, pray for you, everything. Don't minimize it. It's powerful. Prayer has, from others has led me through some pretty dark times in my life. I praise, the, praise God for the fact that so many of you, so many of you online, prayed for me. I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. 
if you want to re rededicate your relationship with God, rededicate your relationship with the Savior, let us know. Just give us your name and say, I'm rededicating. I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to walk in his word. I want to abide in what he asked of me. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice and I thank you for the so many lives that are here, that are disciples and committed believers of yours. I want to lift them up and empower them that they have the ability to share their faith and sow seed with everybody they come in contact with in life, that they would be bold and they would share the difference in their life, the peace that they have, their love for you with other people. I ask that if there's anyone here, Father, that needs to rededicate their life, anybody here, Father, that, that needs to make a first-time commitment and say, I haven't been following you. I want to know that I'm following you. I want to know that I'm committing myself to your life and that you're going to indwell me with your Holy Spirit. Father, we know, we know that you sent your son Jesus as an example and a savior and the Messiah to this world. He was rejected. We know that he was put on the cross and crucified and died. And as he told, he rose again on the third day. We believe this. Believe as described. Father, I don't want to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, so we are going to have a few announcements before we uh, kind of move forward. And the first one is by, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to tell you who this is. <laughs> shepherds from afar we were told to follow a star which led us here to you all today to bring you news of a special event coming your way what is this event that we proclaim we know you wouldn't want to miss it that would be a shame it's a special event for the entire family called breakfast in Bethlehem the journey of Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and all of them. <laughs> you must make your reservations early because there is limited room at our inn. Mark your calendars for December 10th and you shall be all right. For more information, visit our welcome cart or our church website. Thank you. <laughs> Kingdom kids, go ahead to the back doors, and we will take you to your room. All right, Kingdom kids, head on out, kids. All right. Well, it is not very often we get such cool uh, visitors to, like, make announcements. So that's, like, way cool. So our uh, next one is Maya. Good morning. 
My name is Maya Norris. I'm a senior in high school with the youth here at the church, um, and I have a couple announcements to make. So the youth crossroads, youth group crossroads, is doing a food drive from now until Thanksgiving, and um, the donate or be, will be donating to the help of Ojai that is here in the community. Um, the donated items can be anything from canned soup to mac and cheese to oatmeal cereal. There's a whole list on flyers that you can find in the back um, on the welcome cart outside. And uh, they can be brought to Bible study or youth group or here on Sundays. And if you have any questions, you can talk to Shiloh or Jordan. And the next thing is that we're not having any youth events this week. So no Bible study on Tuesday or youth group on Wednesday. All right, thanks. Thank you, Maya. And lastly, Matt. deserve that. Good morning. Uh, rough uh, follow-up to shepherdesses and sheep and my beautiful daughter. So uh, I just want to extend an invitation to all the men in our congregation that uh, we're having a men's breakfast. Is, it, is that better? Can you hear me better? Okay. Uh, men's breakfast um, on November 5th. November 5th, men's breakfast at 9 a.m. Now I'm Yep, I'm right. November 5th, 9 a.m. Uh, so we're going to have a great time. It's a, it's, a, it's a time to eat burritos, one of God's great gifts <laughs> to us, and uh, join together and have some fun. Uh, it should be a good time and to just pause in the busyness of life and uh, be together. So, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you.